This is The Yay. I'm Reg Clay. And Norman G. This is The Yay, where we talk about life in the theater and the theater of life. Yay! We are sponsored by Central Works, a new play theater headed up by Gary Graves and Jan Zleifler. Central Works, reinventing theater one play at a time. As always, we want to thank Central Works for sponsoring The Yay and our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. And uh, we have a fantastic guest, William Bibbins. Um, Bill, William, should I, which one can I call you? Uh, you can call me Bill. William's my official name for <laughs> on programs and so forth, but my friends call me Bill, so. Right on. Well, Bill, how are you doing today? How are you doing this? Uh, this is, we're recording this Tuesday afternoon or Tuesday evening, I guess it's six, but it's still, it's still nice out. How, how are you doing, Bill? I'm doing great, thank you. How are you doing? Doing wonderful, and uh, we've got, of course, Norman here, and um, you are uh, the creator, I, I think you're the creator of Apocrypha Media, and it's podcast, uh, Pulp Scripture. We're going to talk about Pulp Scripture. It's a, a wonderful, it's a unique way of listening to verses of the Bible with an audio drama twist. And uh, I've had a lot of fun listening to uh, several of the episodes. They're really, really small episodes, but they're very I'm jealous. I want to do one or two. <clears throat> <laughs> yeah, the link is there. Well, so, uh, But you are, you are the creator of uh, Apocrypha Media. Is that correct? I did. Yeah, I am. Yeah, sorry. I, I set it up to... To do this, to to make uh, you know podcasts, audio dramas, audio plays, whatever you want to call them. Um, but yeah, I did, and it's all like a pandemic-driven thing, basically. Yay! Yeah, no, that's yeah. awesome, man. You know, it's 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 interesting. We've had a lot of folks on the yay who have talked about their transitioning into doing Zoom recordings and all of the little things that they're doing during the pandemic, and it's wonderful to have art create during the the restrictions that we have uh, a lot of yeah. folks complain about restrictions they're like well i can't i can't create anything because you know i'll just wait until after all of this is over but then there are some folks like you who are like you know what i'm, I'm going to do something anyway yeah I, I mean i just figured you know theater at least at the beginning seemed like it was dead for a while <laughs> and i wasn't i don't want to say that because it's not but um and i was not a huge fan of the stuff i was seeing on right. uh, Zoom, Zoom theater just wasn't doing it for me. Um, so I kind of decided to go in this direction. Um, yeah. No, that's, that's awesome. And we'll talk more about that. Norman, as I begin uh, every podcast, how was your week? Well, the reason that we are working on Tuesday is because my this is my weekend, all of a sudden. Um, it's it's crazy. It's So I've been doing, Gene O'Neill, uh, they uh, sponsor a summer retreat, two weeks. At the bar. High school students, high school theater students. And so uh, we've been up there, uh, Leticia, Natalie Rich, and I, and um, and I have a, an aide, an intern, um, PJ, Penelope Brown, PJ Brown, she likes to go by PJ. They like to go by PJ. I'm learning a lot about pronouns. Um, but it's been, we've gotten through our first week, the week, the first week ends with our young writers cranking out pieces. So I've got to make notes tonight and send it to them. And then tomorrow we're going to put cast together and start rehearsing. And then next Sunday we will perform uh, their, those plays for their, usually we say friends and family this year, we're just saying family because we need to keep the numbers down. Um, and I just talked to a, another, um, Somebody who was teaching at Cal State East Bay said he was interested in getting more involved with the foundation. So he's going to come up and coach one of the scenes for me. Um, we, yeah, normally we would say friends and family. This time it's just friends. And we'll do a little show on Sunday. 
I mean, yeah, I just friends, just family. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, of course. Yeah, I was doing a little show on Sunday, so yeah, it's it's been taking up almost all my bandwidth. Is it um, Natalie Rich? She was the one who she was part of our uh, Bad Summit. Is that right? Yes. Ah, yep. I know. I remember uh, that she, name. Well, so we met through this program a few years ago. Um, she has in the last year gotten to do a few things with Playground. I think with Central Work. So. You know, this has been a nice association. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling pretty proud. Very nice. And when is it over? I mean, when does it when is it finished? Sunday, the, uh, uh, Sunday, we will do a show at one o'clock. Right Sunday, on. And then we will say goodbye to them and start talking about next year. Just grateful to be back in person. We did a spring. We do a little weekend thing in the spring. And I cut that down to one day and we did that on Zoom. And I've got volunteers and people from the board coming to me and saying, that went so well. I'm like, I hated it. I hated it. Yeah, so, no, it's, it's always nice to have, um, you know, to do things, you know, face to face. It's, you know, yeah. it doesn't, it, nothing beats being in person. Uh, there've been a couple of current events. Um, Barbara Box, I don't know if you heard about this, but the former Senator Barbara Boxer was, a, was mugged yeah. in Jack London. Oh, yeah. Yesterday. In your neighborhood. Yeah. Yeah, it's uh, tragic. I mean, I don't know what's going on, but apparently there are these individuals who, I guess, you know, someone will walk down the street and uh, they'll grab your cell phone or knock you over or steal something, a purse. I think women are targeted and then they jump into a car and then zoom off. I mean, I've heard a couple of these things happen. So, um, you know, folks just got to, you know, be careful. What's weird is, and I'm wondering where she was coming from because I bumped into her, her last re-election, tells you how long ago it was. Um, her, the day after her last re-election, I went to the Oakland Grill, which is right down there on 3rd Street, right near Jack London Square. Matthew, it was on 3rd. It was on 3rd. I figured. See, she likes that place. Bumped into her there. Got to take a picture with her. I'm wow. Like, yeah. So, yeah, I just hope that. This uh, was thing- less positive. Yeah. Um, and there are other things uh, going on. Um, a man gets five years for swatting death. I don't know if you guys have heard about swatting, but basically it's uh, – I don't know it's what millennials – Huh? huh? <laughs> not, no, not exactly. But uh, what happens is uh, folks who uh, play video games or whatever, they'll speak to each other online. I'm sure Dexter does right. this all the time. And they'll call the cops to say, oh, my God, I'm at this address uh, there's an individual who's got a gun and you need to go there immediately. And the SWAT people will go to that place and right. of course realize nothing's happening at all. Well, um, an individual actually had a heart attack and died. And so a person was sentenced five years for calling SWAT on that individual. It's been going I think on. I, I think I. Norman, you froze. Norman, you there? Did everybody freeze? I am still here. I <laughs> okay. think I don't see myself, so I'm not sure I'm here. But yeah, you know, you, you, you can are hear totally, me. Yeah, you're totally there, and I guess Norman will come back. Uh, okay. But, there's been, but there, there's been also other things, like there's a water crisis going on. Salt Lake and Lake Powell in Colorado have fallen to their lowest levels, oh, and that's so a bit concerning. Um, Bill, are you worried? Well, I, let me ask you: Are you? How have you been dealing with COVID nineteen? Are you healthy, wealthy, and wise? And uh, are you worried about? the Delta variant? Well, I don't know, about <laughs> I'm healthy. Let's put it that way. I don't know about the others. Um, yeah, I am worried about the Delta variant. I, for a hot minute there, it looked like we were opening up again. And I was, you know, I'm fully vaccinated, of course. And I was going out 
without a mask and now I go everywhere with my mask again. So yeah, it's a little troubling. Um, it's, yeah, I don't know what's going on. Um, and, and, you know, in San Francisco, like we're up to whatever it is, uh, 80 in the Bay Area, what, 75, 80% vaccinated of yeah. adults or something yeah. like that? Yeah, that's right. But we're still getting spikes. Like what's going on with that? I mean, I know we have, you know, there are still people obviously in certain communities that are not vaccinated, but um, still I'm, I'm putting on my mask in grocery stores for sure. Yeah, and psychologically, I do wonder because, you know, we, of course, all of us were tense because we didn't know much about COVID-19 and we were intense on when we're going to get the vaccine. And now that a lot of us have gotten the vaccine, now there's indecision as far as this Delta variant, like there are folks who are, excuse me, getting infected, even though they're vaccinated. And it's like, yeah. well, is it the vaccine? Did you get the Johnson Johnson vaccine? You know, did you get the good vaccine, the bad vaccine? Right. <laughs> so it's, uh, and yeah. I guess we'll, we'll just keep talking until Norman gets in. But there's okay. another thing that's going on. Um, there's mental health. I've been following the Olympics. And uh, the big news today was Simone Biles had dropped out of the, I think she can still do the individual. She can go for the individual goal, but as far as the team, uh, the team took yeah. a silver medal, which, you know, we're spoiled as Americans. You know, we want to win every, you know, all of the gold and all that stuff. Um, exactly. But yeah. it opens up a question about mental illness. Uh, I mean, not mental illness, but mental health, whether an athlete can say, you know, what, I need to step away. Um, I know the crowd wants me yeah. there. You know, there's Simone Biles. There's also Naomi Osaka, who had dropped out of Wimbledon. This was uh, earlier this summer for the same reason. Right. And uh, there have been a couple yeah. of those. I remember in uh, football, there was a guy in Barrett Robbins who uh, played for the Raiders and he was about to go for the Super Bowl and he dropped out at the last minute. Uh, so I do wonder about the mental yeah. health and, and that. Aspect. Yeah, I was thinking about that today. I, I, I heard a, a short interview with, uh, uh, with uh, Simone Biles' um, coach today and, and talking about how much pressure she's under. I mean, she seems so unflappable and she's so she's just so perfect at what she does. But I mean, that level of, you know, perfection has to just lead to just even more pressure. So I, yeah, I can't, I can't imagine what they're going through. Her, Naomi Osaka, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And um, it's, you know, we, we expect our uh, athletes to be superheroes and there's this, you know, very male driven, um, belief that you know you you play injured and you know you you know no pain no gain right. and i think we have to and you know these new millennials uh norman is back um okay. you know this new generation is like hey listen i'm not going to take my my mental health for granted and right. uh i'm going to you know focus on that and i'll just keep talking norman will chime in but okay I, I, I i'm chiming in <laughs> But hey, I Norman, think, I good to see you again. Me. Hey there. <laughs> I didn't know if it was me or you or whatever. No, but it's I'm the glad. computer. It's my computer. I, I yeah. Hopefully we'll survive long enough for us to get through this and I'll figure out what's going on. Yeah. We were talking about mental health. You know, Naomi, uh, I'm not, well, we were talking about Naomi Osaka, but also Simone Biles. She dropped out of the uh, group women's uh, gymnastics. The team, yeah. The team events. Yeah. Right, exactly. Oh, um, so she's still doing the individual events. Oh, then. yeah. No, she wants her medals. <laughs> Right, exactly. Yeah, good, good. But, but uh, you okay. know, Bill and I were talking, Norman, about, you know, today's millennials are like, hey, listen, the whole no pain, no gain thing, you know, that may work in the past, but we're going to take care of our mental health. You know, I talked about right. Naomi Osaka. She dropped out of Wimbledon because of mental health. I loved it. Yeah. I'm, I'm thrilled. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I was for it too. Um, 
I mean, she, you know, they, 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 there's no reason that she has to give these, these press conferences, um, especially in this day and age with, with social media and, right. and so forth. So it's like, yeah, I, yeah, I was, I was all for that. No, it's, oh, it's, yeah, go ahead, go ahead, it's clearly just all, it's theater. They want to have some theater. It's not enough to play the game. You got to give them a little bit of that. You know, didn't some basketball player do it this year where he was just like, no, I'm not talking to y'all. We lost. Yes, I don't want to talk to you. Yeah, I, I do remember that. And like I said, you know, as uh, as the consumer, you know, the audience, um, you know, we we consistently want our athletes to just be supermen and superwomen and yes. not have any feelings at all. And, um, you know, I think this new generation is letting us know we have emotions, we have feelings, and we're going to take care of that. And we're not going oh, yeah. to get eaten up. And then we get an injury and we get pushed aside. And then you guys cheer for the other athlete. So well, uh, they talked about with Simone Biles that um, the media keeps covering, oh, they didn't do that well getting into the Olympics. Oh, they came in second. Yeah, exactly. Right. It's, it's, it's absolutely crazy. Um, a couple of other things. I also mentioned the water crisis uh, that Salt Lake City and Lake Powell and I have dropped to their lowest levels. I do worry about oh. uh, climate change. Uh, that's been a, a recurring thing going on. Also, Herschel Walker, I don't know if you heard, he's uh, considering running for Republican senator for Georgia. Yeah. I tell you, when we won, we, I, as a Democrat, I you know, consider us Democrats, but uh, when we won Georgia and took over you know, the, the House, I tell you, the Republicans just went totally tilt. And so now oh, they're yeah. just bringing out the big guns. And now they're trying to bring up uh, Herschel Walker, who was a former uh, running back. So he's going to run against who? Whoever. Raphael Warnick? Yeah, I suppose so. Yeah, whoever, whoever the Democrats. Yeah. For, um, oh. Senator, Senator. He's he's Warnock, Senator. Then. It's I think it would be Warnock. He's the one yeah. who's up next. Yeah. yeah. Right, exactly. Oh, and, right. We got to get a black guy to go up against the black guy because <laughs> yeah. we're not racist. The ultra conservative black guy who has a history of domestic violence. The, oh, I didn't know that. Okay. Yeah. yeah. So, and I didn't know he was a Republican and I didn't know he was a politician. So. There you and, go. Yeah, and the connection with Trump is, you know, when Trump owned the USFL, he owned the, uh, I think it was the New Jersey Generals. And of course, who was their star running back? Herschel Walker. So, uh -huh. who knows? All right, enough of Old that. Friends. You did, you totally <laughs> skipped the insurrection. Oh, that's right. Boy, those hearings were just, oh, just uh, yeah. gut-wrenching. And uh, who knows? Maybe, it'll, of course, it, it went to inject some consciousness into the Republicans, you know, to see if they have any semblance of a heart. If they have any. Yeah. 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 yeah I, but, I listened to part of, uh, is it uh, Officer Fanon, that uh, the fellow who's-, who's the, on... the Latino, right? I believe so. Uh, no, oh. yeah, he's not a Latino. Uh, he, uh, well, I can't remember his first name. He, he, he's on, uh, he's on MSNBC a lot. He, he, he's, he's going out sort of making a case for, for what's, you know, for having the truth come out, but he, um, he gave a powerful, he was the one who had a heart attack. He was tased a bunch oh, right. of times. And oh, wow. That guy. Well, that guy. Okay. Oh, yeah. yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, I heard two yeah. guys, and I mean, all of it was emotional. And the Republican who headed up the, um, I guess he's a bipartisan Republican, who uh, just had tears in his eyes. I can't remember uh, the guy's name. Kins Kinsinger. Oh, Kinsinger. Kinsinger. Yeah, Kinsinger. Yeah, Kinsinger. Yeah. Yeah, just, I mean, he, did. he he was trying to speak. He was crying. I was like, wow. Yeah, wow. 
Very powerful. I mean, you know, we think that, you know, for those who think, oh, all Republicans are evil and all Democrats are good or on the flip side, all Democrats are bad or whatever. We're seeing some really good bipartisan work. And it's good to see that in Congress. It's good to see that this is democracy in action. I mean, it's horrible what happened January the 6th. I can't even believe that it happened this year. It feels right. You know, so far away, but um, we're not letting it up. I mean, we're not, you know, Republicans may say, oh, let's just move on. No, 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 we're not going to move on. You know, um, people died. Yeah, people were hurt. And, uh, you know, um, justice needs to be justice needs to be. And the the foundations of democracy were under attack. (laughs) Yes, that's exactly right. Yeah. All right. Go ahead. Go um, go ahead, Bill. Oh, no, I was just going to say I. I glad that there are at least two Republicans there, Kinzinger and Liz Cheney, but it'd be nice if there were a few more like reasonable Republicans who were telling the truth. But anyway, I'll put that aside. No, no. I mean, what does Shakespeare say? Conscience doth make cowards of us all. Uh, I wish it were true, (laughs) but uh, it is what it is. And with that, William Bivens, uh, let's have an origin story. Where were you born and raised? Born and raised in, well, born in Las Cruces, New Mexico, um, raised there and in partially in New York. Uh, but um, yeah, that's where I'm from. Wow. Uh, how did yeah. you, how did you get involved in theater when you were young? No, I didn't. Um, I'm trying to remember how, well, so I got into theater kind of uh, um, sideways. I, I, I was writing screenplays and uh, oh. I was not really get. I had a. I was working with a writing partner, Ken Karn, for a number of years. And uh, back in the early, late '90s, early aughts, I kind of just did a, a pivot. I, I, we had a, we had this screenplay that uh, was getting a lot of options, so there was, it was very encouraging. You know, people wanted to produce it, and in fact, people are continuing to want to produce it. It was supposed to be finally produced right before the pandemic. And the production company pulled it, and they they declared a force majeure, you know, the force majeure clause. I've heard the term, but I don't know what it means. It's basically act of God. It's like, okay, we're in a pandemic, we can't shoot this, and so yeah, it's. Uh, but anyway, yeah, that was a it was a vampire western uh, that we wrote called Rio Sangre. Wow! <laughs> no, that and, sounds fun. Yeah, I mean, it's like you know, it, I, I kind of think of it as the. The, the 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 screenplay that won't die because it's a you know anyway but I'll so leave wait that a minute aside, so you started off writing screenplays how did you get I, into that I did um, I don't I don't remember oh I, I went I went to film school at De Anza a number of years ago back in the okay. in the uh, early nineties um, just as a just as a kind of a I don't know just just for fun and uh, so I started getting more and more serious about it and um, produced a short play that, or sorry, short movie that went on to uh, win an award at a festival. And uh, and then I realized, well, this is really expensive and a lot of works. So why don't I write screenplays and get somebody else to produce them? Um, so I got, you know, I got into that in that way. Um, mm. And then, as I say, in the late nineties, I, I uh, was getting frustrated. I wasn't living in LA and I realized that's one of the problems. If you're not living in LA, it's kind of hard to get any traction in, in that business as a screenwriter. You're not having lunch at the right places. Yeah, not schmoozing with the right people or going to the right parties or whatever. Um, so I just 
decided I had this weird dream that involved Sam Shepard playing basketball and <laughs> doing, right. doing bank shots. And I realized, oh, okay, like, like he's kind of telling me in the dream I should write a play and see what happens. So, mm. um, so I started writing a play, got involved in a playwriting workshop, the Will Dunn Dramatic Writing Workshop. Yeah. And yeah, you know, you know, Will yeah, Dunn. The magic. Yeah. Uh, no, he, he, he's been doing it in different venues, but, oh, he did, okay. actually, he was at the Magic for a little while, I think. At, at one point, yeah. At, um, as a venue. Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so I got into it that way, and, uh, yeah, um, it, the, uh, the Pulp Scripture bit, uh, was, well, the, the stories that ended up making up Pulp Scripture started out as a stage play, um, and that was, I was just sort of uh, playing around with the idea of, uh, you know, making fun of some of these weird Bible stories. And uh, the, the church that I was going to at the time, I, I had one of the plays done at uh, one of their retreats and they thought it, it was, it was a short play that I did called Abraham and Isaac go camping. And oh. <laughs> they thought it was, uh, yeah. it, it thought it was funny enough that they, they commissioned me to write a bunch of other ones, so that's how that got started, and it, and it ended up going up uh, at the uh, uh, San Francisco Fringe Festival in two thousand nine, and then oh, after wow. that it Did went you play to at the exit at the exit theater. No, no, this was one of their. I think they call it off off venue uh, events. This it was at the Phoenix, the Phoenix Theater. Oh, the Phoenix, oh, yeah, yeah. Linda, Linda Ayers Fredericks, uh, uh, little Linda area. Air, yeah. Exactly. <clears throat> yep. 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 Yeah, and then uh, after that, it got a uh, follow-up production um, at Piano Fight. Um, uh, I don't know if you guys know Piano Fight. Oh, oh yeah. yeah, yeah, we love Piano Fight. And and now it's here at the Jack, Jack London. It's both. Piano Fight is, you mean? Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Are they, are, so is there still a Piano Fight in San Francisco? Because I as thought as far as I know, they have kept that space, and I mean ah. that's what the publicity was saying. Okay, um, so they've they expanded. now on Broadway, yeah. Yeah. So when you did the piano fight in William, uh, this was in um, San Francisco. Correct. This was back when they, they had a, a small theater, actually a couple of theaters across the hall from each other on yeah. Missions, Mission Street. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. I don't know if you remember that space. No. Uh, oh, um, yes. I Maybe close to the corner of Fifth. Yes. Exactly. Between fifth and sixth on uh, on, the, on the same block as the Chronicle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, yeah, and the the I should mention the Fringe production was directed by the great Kim Richards, and then the Piano Fight production was directed by Christy Crowley. Mm. But, very uh, very yeah, nice. Yeah, was a lot of fun. I did. I have tons of questions on pulp. Um, on pulp, I was about to say pulp fiction. Um, pulp scriptures. Everybody does that. <laughs> <laughs> well, I guess that's the. I think uh, that's the, a good thing. Yeah. Right. Right. Exactly. But as far as writing is concerned, what is it about writing that sort of grabbed you? I'm sure you know you were in college and you were like, well, let me just go ahead and do this thing. But then something grabbed you. Is there something about writing? Have you have you always been a writer? I have on and off and and in different forms. I've I've tried my hand at. Uh, Stories, mostly short short stories, um, and as I mentioned before, screenplays. I've written a bunch of screenplays or co-written a bunch of screenplays. Um, yeah, I mean, I've realized I'm I'm not very good at the short story forms. So I, oh. I gave that I gave that up. I gave it up. Um, but uh, yeah, I just somehow eventually gravitated towards um, 
writing for the stage, I, I felt that it was a lot uh, more freeing than writing for movies um, because yeah, it's I'd not always, photographic. Yeah, yeah, I'd always uh, wanted to see, you know, the um, I guess what transition you may have had in your mind from writing from the screen to writing uh, plays. Because I imagine they, it's similar because there there are all sorts of plays or I'm sorry, movies that are derived from plays. Like, um, you know, you mentioned Sam Shepard, you know, he's had a lot of uh, his plays transitioned into movies. I'm also thinking, um, who did Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross? I'm always forgetting his name. David Mamet. Mamet. David Mamet, yeah, of course. And yeah. Mamet, that's another. And some of your best, I mean, I think of 12 Angry Men. That's another uh, play that was adapted to um, the screen and it adapts very well. But is there a transition, Bill, in when you transition from writing for the screen to the play? Uh, well, other than that, that dream I mentioned, <laughs> uh, I, um, I guess I realized, well, there, there, I did have this revelation about this uh, writing for the screen when I realized that it's a photographic medium and it, and it really demands kind of a, a sense of realism. Well, it, it, it doesn't demand as much from the audience in terms of the audience having part of the story happen in their mind. Uh, and, and I think I realized about that when I, um, I thought about The Elephant Man. Um, and it, oh, yeah. it was a really good movie, David Lynch. Mm -hmm. um, I forgot who played The Elephant Man. Is it John Hurt? Yeah, anyway. It is um, John Hurt, yes. Yeah, it's a really good movie, but it's all makeup. You know, it's all like they have to be, re they have to be literal with it. Um, before I saw the movie, I had seen, I was lucky enough in the early 80s to see the stage play on Broadway. Right. David Thank Bowie, you. yeah, David Bowie was, uh, it just, there was like a spotlight on David Bowie. He was wearing this thing, wine clothy thing that looked like a cloth diaper. <laughs> right. And, but other, otherwise not wearing a thing. And, and I, a narrator described David Merrick, the, 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 the elephant man, in vivid detail and, and as he was describing it, David Bowie's body began to contort. And as an audience member in my mind, by the end of that narration, I no longer saw David Bowie, I saw David Merrick. And that was, there was something really magical about that. And so oh the, yeah. the juxtaposition between those two productions to me kind of encapsulates the difference between you know, movies and, and stage plays. And I'm I, so happy to hear you say that. And, and you gave a great example. I, I often use, and I had to look it up because I couldn't remember the title, um, Prelude to a Kiss. Um, yes, right. Uh, yeah, Alec Baldwin the where, did the movie part of it, I think. Go ahead. Well, that's the thing. I've never seen the movie and I should because I talk major shit about it. <laughs> it's only because I know what that would be on stage. Um, and I know what movie magic does. But it's not the same thing. When you the wind comes up and the lighting suddenly gets overcast and there's a mood that music that comes in underneath. And you can do a lot of those techniques on stage, but it, when you see the actor in front of you have a moment, it's just gorgeous. Yeah. Yeah, yeah no, always, I agree. Yeah. Yeah, I've always felt that, I mean, as a writer, I think that film writers write what people do. I mean, you can disagree if you if you I think that right, film writers write about what people do and playwrights write what people say. I, mean, I think it's more dialogue driven. And I've also always felt that as an actor, I'm using far more energy 
on stage because I'm always, you know, they always say you got to play to the back of the audience. And so I've, I've always felt there's so much more energy um, on the stage rather than, you know, th there've been times where I've been on the camera and I was told, you know, put your eyes here, you know, don't look right. here, here, right, right, because the camera captures everything. And so you know, it's almost minimalistic because the camera is doing everything. Um, but I don't know, as an audience, I mean, just watching a film is very different from watching the stage. I mean, you are active as a audience member. I'm sure you feel the same way, Norman, right? Excuse me, sorry. <laughs> you, you okay? But I mean, no, but I mean they're a, very, they're, it's very different styles, that's all. I'm, yeah, I'm, yeah. I'm in no way want to shit on film. There's so many things that film does that the stage can't touch and that are transcendent. And I think that is part of what we want to do is we want our audience to have an experience that is transcendent. So, you know, how do you best do that? But I'm fascinated that Bill went from screenplays to stage because it would seem to me the other direction is- Yeah, a lot of folks are doing the opposite direction, yeah. Into, yeah. Yeah. Let's talk about uh, Pulp Scripture. I mean, was this- um, I take it you're religious. I mean, I, um, I'm, I'm a Christian myself. Uh, was this sort of a basis on uh, a new take on how to, I guess, uh, connect people to the, to, to the word? Uh, no, not really. Um, it's more just me kind of goofing on the Bible and having some fun. <laughs> okay. I'm, I'm, not, <laughs> I'm not, I mean, I, I have gone, I, I went to church more when I, my kids were little. Um, um, and, uh, so I'm not, I wouldn't say I'm super religious, but I, I was raised in, uh, in the Episcopal church and, uh, and, and I, I had that kind of education. So, you know, I, I was forced to read the Old Testament and I just remember thinking, wow, this is some weird shit. Mm -hmm. you know? yeah. And so, <laughs> so, um, so I always kind of carried that with me, like, really, we're kind of, you know, putting our hand on this and <laughs> swearing <laughs> yeah like, like jonah um, jonah and the whale and all that stuff what was the yeah. inspiration for pulp scripture i mean what what made how did it come from you know being in someone's mind to actually executing it oh yeah so so uh, i think it was 2005 my my boys were were pretty young and i i took them on this trip to italy and we we went from one sort of museum to another and occasionally we'd see uh, the story of uh, Abraham and Isaac depicted in a painting. Oh, yeah. And in, in each one of the paintings, you've got Isaac, you know, on a rock or kneeling or whatever, right. sort of sort of waiting to die happily. With right. His, you know, and I just thought, that's just phony baloney. I mean, this is not real. Come on. Right. And, th and, then, we, and then we went to, and then in, in Florence, we saw the, the uh, oh God, what's the painter's name? Caravaggio? Caravaggio oh, version of okay. it, and the car, and that, and that suddenly, I mean, I don't know if you've seen that painting, but mm -hmm. it's an amazing painting because he, uh, Abraham has Isaac by the throat, holding him down on a rock. Isaac is turning and looking at him with this abject terror on his face, and and uh, there's an angel up over Abraham's shoulder, and Abraham's just placidly looking at the angel, and I thought that's funny. That's, you know, and, it's, <laughs> and, you know, and it's funny because it's real. It's like, yeah, man. I mean, if I were Isaac, 
I'd be like, "What, Dad? Why are you trying to kill me? What's what? what what's right. going on here?" You know. And so then, anyway, and then, that, and then God says, "No, no, no. You don't. Don't worry about it." <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, they, I mean, you'll. I think it's the next episode that's coming out. But basically, God comes in and says, "This has only been a test." You know. That's, that's <laughs> right. But, because um, in the Bible, isn't it that it's or is are there different versions? Because isn't there a version where there's an angel that comes? God doesn't actually bother with this. The angel says no. Nope. It it is it is the angel. Yeah, the angel comes and says, you know, like I said, just it. You were tested. This has only yeah. been a test. Yeah. Um, but anyway, so so that inspired me to write that play, little play, and then um, and then I just got you know I, I wrote a bunch more based on well you've heard a few of them now, but. Um, yeah, I just yeah, heard of, yeah. I think it was a Samson. I think uh, I think that was a Samson and Delilah. Yeah, that was the noir one that you were referring to. I did yeah, exactly. Style, yeah, yeah, I'd only listened to that one. So I was figuring all of them were like that. But, you know, it's fun. And and it's very, um, it's um, it's bite size, I call it, because there's only like seven or six minutes. I mean, it's not like it's a, a half hour. Um, yeah, and I don't know. I don't know if that's a problem in the podcast world because podcasts are usually like 20, 25 minutes, an hour, right? Or something like that, three hours. <laughs> so I'm thinking, like, what did people do in six minutes? It's like not, you know, it's too long for a bowel movement. Like, I don't, <laughs> like, I don't know what if it's too short for a dog walk. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, maybe it, I, I shouldn't. I don't be know. I think, I, I think it works. I mean, you know, I mean, it's, it's like, you know, you have your gourmet meal and then you have your little snack. And I think there's some folks who are like, hey, you know, I can take, I don't know if I can take a half hour of a Bible reading or even a funny satirical Bible reading, but, you know, maybe like a little snippet. And then they'll say, oh, let me take another one. And then, you know, all of a sudden, they burned through, I don't know, five or six or seven episodes. So yeah, yeah I loved, I loved the formatting. Yeah. Oh, good, good. There's your Caravaggio. Oh, oh, oh yeah. That's in our show notes. Yeah. Okay, cool. Cool. Uh, how how well, has... he's, he's disabled the sharing. I couldn't pop it up. I can't, I couldn't like photo bomb. Oh, oh, sorry about that. That's uh, okay. I, um, Bill, I had a quick question for you. How has the, uh, because I know when we got into podcasting, I had to really educate myself on how to, you know, like RSS feeds and uh, making yeah. sure the images are correct. So how has that learning process been for you? And maybe you have a tech guy doing that Ooh. for you, a tech guy or gal to that for you. Oh, him. Yeah. Well, so first of all, um, my son, Sam, Sam Bivens, who's a very talented uh, uh, musician, um, um, music producer, uh and and he he does uh, he does this kind of thing too. He's very very tech very tech savvy. Um, he uh, he did he did the music and he's done he's been helping me with the editing, all the sound effects, uh, the sound engineering, all of that kind of stuff. So I big shout out to him. I couldn't do, couldn't do it without him. Uh, couldn't couldn't have recorded it without him. Um, so but then in terms of just the other stuff like the RSS feed and all that kind of stuff, like I just kind of had to take a deep dive and figure that a lot of that stuff out so also um, you're doing it yourself yeah I'm doing some of that stuff yeah I mean Sam's helping me out a lot with it but like uh I you know I found a uh, I found out how to you know find a podcast host and um shout out to Captivate uh I, I use them um uh but anyway um yeah so and and I haven't really like the website I use is just all it's all through Captivate um so yeah, no, no, that's it, it, no, it's fantastic, and um, and it's nice and clean. I, I think your son, he's doing a fantastic job because you know the audio is nice and clean, and 
and also the music music is yeah. just fantastic no, so it, the whole thing comes off so nice it is a nice little clean professional sounding package yeah so i think your son Thank has you. a something you. he could put on his resume how old is he absolutely how old is he? he's he's 31 oh okay wow you don't look <laughs> you look <Right>. 31 <laughs> I was a child bride. What can I say? No, <laughs> do you think, um, do you think you'll, I mean, now that you've had a taste of theater, do you think theater is a more your thing or do you think you'll go back to film? I mean, you already have some screens that are being optioned. So, um, but do you think you'll delve more into theater writing for theater? I mean, I love all the, all the different forms. I'm, I'm I love theater. I love, love, love theater. And I want to get back to writing for theater. Um, you know, who knows with this Delta variant, who knows what's going to be happening. Right. But I'm also, and I love film. And I, you know, at some point, if I'm given the opportunity, I mean, the thing is about film, it's like, you know, like I can, I, on a shoestring, I can put together this because I'm producing it, you know, this, this podcast. Um, right. I mean, even the cheapest film is like way, yeah. Yes. You know, so somebody would have to like pay me and, you know, put it together and produce it. And I, I mean, I can't imagine doing that. But this, this is something that's within my, you know, within my reach. Um, so same with stage plays. Um, but I, I love all three media. They're, they're different in really significant ways, but they're all also similar. They're all dramatic writing. They all happen in the moment for the most part. Um, dialogue driven um yeah but yeah it's yeah you, you're right it is similar but uh, one good uh, i think one great thing about theater you're absolutely right it doesn't take as much money i mean you know sometimes i hear <laughs> that even a lens of a film uh, of a camera can cost something somewhere around i don't know 60 million uh, and sixty thousand dollars or something like that the red cameras and the you know, all, all of the other things. And uh, theater is a little bit, I mean, theater is expensive as well. Um, yeah. As far well, as I was process, hoping we get go to, ahead. to chat a little about Scapegoat. So I don't know if Ridge knows that, but uh, that's how Bill and I met is um, yeah. on Scapegoat, which- How was that was experience? dream for me. And it was, um, and it was wonderful to watch you go through the process of evolving that play. That, that was a little crazy. I, I, talk about that a lot when I'm when I'm teaching and when I'm talking to writers um, because there's what you have in your head there's where you're trying to go and then the demands of a production and you sort of have to go they give you a couple of options and unless you want to go no I don't like any of that you kind of have to make choices that may not be yours at all mm -hmm. yeah yeah how was how the experience for you doing a uh, scapegoat and also just doing playground which which one are you which one of us are you asking <laughs> no asking you bill oh okay yeah no it was great it was well first of all it was one i was gonna i'm glad you brought this up because i was gonna bring it up it was wonderful working with norman um and and everybody else and it was on, on, it was wonderful working with you i was amazed how flexible and creative you were thank you well i i mean i really put a lot of stock in working with uh directors who can bring a lot to to the party and you were definitely top one of the top on the list for me to be working with and I so I'm that was that was a real pleasure and it and it really that's the other thing I love about theater is it's extremely collaborative and um not just directors but you know in this case Jim Kleinman brought a yeah, lot the producer that. definitely the pro had a yeah vision. absolutely and so I took a lot from him and 
And as you remember, the cast had had a lot to say about it, yeah. and I, I listened to every bit of it, and it, I think it improved the play um, quite a bit. And I, and I, but I feel that way about all my plays is that the rehearsal process for the premiere is for me kind of right part of the writing process. Like it, it's, uh, mm -hmm. you know, it's that like that final home stretch of getting the play where it needs to be. Um, right. Yeah. Can you steal home base? You got the yeah, service. Right. Can, <laughs> right. you, can you get in? Yeah, exactly. In fact, sort of circling back to the podcast, I, when the pandemic hit and I was, I was working on this brand new play um, about the headless horseman, sort of an experimental thing. And I thought, I'm going to make a, a you know, a, a audio drama out of that. And then I realized, am I insane? Like, I, <laughs> I, I, I don't like, I don't have, you know, the, the, the uh, resources of the, you know, this development process of the, uh, um, you know, the rehearsal and the director and all this mm -hmm. kind of stuff. So I reached back and grabbed something that had been road tested. And that's why I did Pulp Scripture. Because <laughs> it's like it had a production. It's, you know, it's been through that whole process. And mm -hmm. so, yeah. But anyway, no, uh, Scapegoat was a great, great experience for me. And we should say, so Scapegoat is a play about an African-American superhero. Um, and his power is that he absorbs negativity. And the central character is the creator who has become, who has had a career, a successful career based on this character, but the character's gotten stale. And as a comic book nut, I can tell you, Superman kept going through this over the decades until they finally got smart, marketing-wise they got smart. But Superman changed from who he was in 1938 to by the time I became aware of him, who he was in the 60s, who he became in the 70s, and then they didn't really know what to do with him in the 80s um, because he'd gotten stale. And every time they sort of updated him, they were afraid to do that and they didn't know what to do. So this is a character, this is the character in the play is somebody who has had a career based on a character who has gotten stale. And then suddenly all these shootings, you know, police shootings of African-American, unarmed African-Americans um, starts to blow up and, if I remember correctly, you said when you first were thinking about the play, the character wasn't even, these were not African-American characters. Yeah, no, that, that's right. And I can't remember my thought process in making that switch, but um, but yeah, no, I, I think that's right, if I remember. This, this, God, this was a number of years ago. Norman, when was this, 2016? Uh, 17? You began talking, yeah, you began talking no, no, about no. it in 18, because, no. go ahead. 18, well, okay, got so, it. No, but, um, I first got involved, well, I first was, I was an actor performing a Monday night playground and Bill had taken a scene from something he was already working on and kind of reconfigured it to fit into the theme of the night. Mm -hmm. um, but it was so impressive. It was a, a cafe scene where the writer um, was meeting with the cop who had shot a kid and had become the template for the villain in the piece. And he was saying, you let yourself off the hook. You made me a two-dimensional villain. And if you tell my story, then you can actually move this in a new direction. Um, and that was all part of a Black Lives Matter night. And I loved the piece did, but that piece just caught my attention. Hmm. And they asked you to write a full length based on it. 
and Eric Reed was directing it. Right. So I ended up playing the writer in the play um, for the read through of the, the first draft of this. Um, and then Eric Reed moved to LA. So the next year he was not available to do it. And they asked me if I would direct. <laughs> and I was like, you, you just, that was a gift. I was so, so I think 2018 was when I got to direct it. I think, I think that's right. Yeah. That's, it's all coming back to me now. Yeah. And I'm so glad that you got tapped to direct it because um, yeah, not only did you really deeply understand the material, but I found in the course of this, you're a comic book nerd. So that's kind of, that was cool. Oh my God. Yeah. <laughs> well, and like I said, all this stuff about how comic books have changed that was able to feed into that side of the character. I didn't, when suicide, so one of the themes in the play is that th this character is suicidal. And that wasn't something I was trying to touch at all. I'm like, if you know where you're going with that dude, you go ahead, because that's not <laughs> something I'm going to claim to have any understanding of. But that writer who has been, and it's, you see it in jazz as well. A jazz musician comes up in that first wave of jazz and then 20 years later, when you get to bebop, they're like, who are you fucking people? And what are you doing to our music? I don't understand it. I think it's actually a black musician who calls it Chinese music because he just doesn't understand what is going on with it. And I feel like that's where that core character was, was that was sort of the, the comic book backdrop, but the rest of the story, oh gosh, there were so many things that unfolded that I was just like, I love where this is going and I had not a clue. This is why I love working with you, Norman, because you come up with these amazing analogies like that. <laughs> that was pretty cool. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it's amazing as you were talking and I'm so glad that you guys were talking as the sun now. <laughs> you can actually see my face. Now we can see you. Now you can see me. But I remember uh, I had a, uh, a college professor at NYU um, who was basically talked about Superman. He was, and he was like, you know, young kids love Superman because he can do everything and he's so protective and whatever. But as you get older, it's kind of boring because, you know, he's too overly built and, you know, comic books. And this was around the eighties when I'm taking this class and he's right. like, no one can do anything with this character because he's too perfect and therefore it's boring. You know, there's no story arc. Mm -hmm. Well, they kept and, developing more of the Clark Kent side. Yeah, 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 exactly. Why is Mr. Powerful wasting his time putting on a suit and going to a job? <laughs> yeah, but it sounds like during the rehearsal process, there were discoveries made, which actually, you know, helped strengthen the play. There were, there were things that, you know, it, it's not just the playwright saying, hey, this is, this is my idea. Right. Go execute no, I, my and idea. And I would totally agree with Bill. Jim kept coming at us. <laughs> There's not, there's something missing. You're missing an opportunity. What do you want to do about this? And, and again, I'm like, I hear what you're saying, Jim, but number one, I'm really not trying to write the playwright's play. I want to know where the playwright wants to go. If I feel like something's missing, I'm going to say to the playwright, do you have an answer for this? Because otherwise I'm going to make this connector. <laughs> but, yeah, um, yeah. but I want to know where you're trying to go with it. Yeah. And that's an, here's an interesting question for you, Bill, because you've been in the, the writing, I guess, the uh, what do they call it? The think tank process of writing. Let's say you're writing with a collaborator, Relevant. both for um, television or the screen and mm -hmm. also for theater. It, do you see a difference between the two? And I think there are a lot of people who are listening to this. We've had a couple of uh, playwrights who want to transition into screen, but they don't know 
the difference. They don't know, you know, what is the writing process like for writing for the screen. But as far as uh, like you've had a collaborator help write a screenplay mm -hmm. and you've gone through the collaboration process in the play, are there any differences? Yeah, there are some pretty significant differences. Well, first of all, what people who are thinking of doing this need to understand is that <clears throat> in the theater, the, the, the playwright is, uh, uh, I don't want to say God, but the playwright is, is, is looked the Bible, up to, the, um, revered, like, yeah. like in, in, uh, in movies, the screenwriters may be a notch above gaffer, like yeah. this. Maybe or the cleaning the cleaning person or say you know right. I mean really it's just and and that's reflected also in the copyright law because um, the you know um, movies are sort of a carve out uh, in the copyright law in the sense that um, you don't own the you don't own the material whereas every other you know poetry mm -hmm. short stories novels plays um, the the writer owns the material in perpetuity. That is not true in screenplays. So people need to understand that. But you asked in terms of collaboration. Um, I mean, I you know, there are playwrights who collaborate. It's probably less uh, common than in writing a screenplay. And I'm not sure exactly why that is. I, I have never collaborated in the writing process mm -hmm. in, in, in writing a play. However, it's, you know, we talked about with a few, few minutes ago. I mean, I, I feel like the rehearsal process with the director, producer, actors—that's extremely collaborative. Mm -hmm. But um, but that's more like you get feedback, and then you respond to that feedback and do rewrites and so forth. With uh, when you when you work with a, a co-writer on a, on a screenplay, you're you know somebody's working on a section or a draft, and somebody mm. so it's it's a, it's a very different animal. Uh, I don't know if that answers your question. No, no, it does. Because it, it, when I, you know, when I hear about what you and Norman and the writers, I mean, when in the actors uh, in Playground, that it, it, I mean, it's it really is a writing collaborative because although you're working the play and the play is already written, but there's still discoveries to be made, and maybe you'll make some changes based on those discoveries. You'll say, well, hey, I learned something during that rehearsal process. Let me change a couple of things to make it better or something like that. So. Exactly. I almost consider it like a uh, a writing uh, collaborative, like as if the actors and the director. Yeah, well, you're you're a writer as well, right, Reg? I mean, yeah. What have you found? Well, I've never written for the screen, so that's why I'm. <laughs> so I got it. Me. Okay. <laughs> but you know, a lot of a lot of us playwrights. I mean, we we're basically isolated. We just you know work on our own. But mm -hmm. then we have the re we, then we have the 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 uh, the readings. Like I, you know, when I did Foreman in Paris, I did. There were three readings that I went through, and even during the rehearsal process, when we actually put it on production, I had to go through a, a writing process to, you know, a, you know, iron things out. And Norman was very good in the collaborative process to say, "Hey, listen, this doesn't make sense. You know, can we rework three three? Because I don't understand why Ellen is going to, you know, why are we seeing it. this scene again? Yeah, right, exactly. What's going to be new?" Right. And that and that's important. And I don't. I was asking, you know, whether these, whether that's a <laughs> uh, a parallel in the screenwriting process. It sounds to me like in screenwriting, you kind of have to get to a place where you feel comfortable enough to be putting it out there. That once they get it, it's going to become different, as opposed oh, yeah. to you getting to make 
being invited in to make adjustments after they've said, yeah, we want your screenplay. Oh yeah, no, totally, totally. In fact, we're, we're with Rio Sangre, we're experiencing that right now because so like with, 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 when you're writing a play, all anybody can do, you know, the director, the producer, whoever is make suggestions is say, you might want to think about this, or you might want to try this, or you might want to cut this scene out or whatever. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, you have the you have the final say. You are the the god of your, you know, your material. Yeah. Um, it's totally not like that with screenplays. It's like, oh yeah, we love. We I mean, there's a joke like a producer reads the screenplay. This is perfect. This is the most perfect screenplay I've ever seen in my life. Who are we going to get to do the rewrites? Like, <laughs> right. Oh god. That's that's what it's like. It's like they. It sounds like it, the. It sounds like take, the producer. Go ahead. No, I was just going to say they, 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 you know, if they option it or or buy it or whatever, they take it from you. It is it is not yours anymore in right. any way, shape, or form. In fact, I think Rio Sangre has a new title right now. Oh, it's, it's been rewritten by other people. That's a fun ass title. I know, right? I I'm like what? Yes. Yeah, I thought it was a really good title, but anyway. <laughs> yeah, no, it sounds like once you've, I guess, you know, once you've um, sold it, you know, once you've sold it, then it's not yours anymore. And it, it sounds like producers, you know, really control everything. That's right. Um, yeah. And maybe you want to rise to the level, I mean, I, you know, for those budding screenwriters to rise to the level where you can produce your own stuff so, that you've Oliver written. Oliver Stone, right? Isn't that Oliver Stone's trajectory? Yeah, and, and Christopher yeah. Nolan, yeah. Yeah. You know, that, uh, you know, came in on that side, said, wow, I don't like this limitation. Let me get on the other side of the table. Yeah. Yeah. That, that's the thing. I mean, if you if you get on the other, I shouldn't say the other side of the camera. Well, the if producing you, side. If you, if you get on the producing side, it is a totally, yeah, you are then the the author of the work, so to speak. Yeah. 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 But getting thing. getting there is half the fun. Yeah. That's, it's <laughs> a, a tough climb. Fun. Yeah. Oh, but I, I do hasten to add that. I haven't experienced this myself because it, I haven't had a, a, a movie yet produced, but um, the flip side of not having any of that power is that you make a lot of money. <laughs> so, so yeah, as yeah. a screenwriter, I should right, say, right. versus yeah. being a playwright. So, yeah. yeah, we always use the analogy that the play for the playwright is like a baby. And we've even talked, like I mentioned to uh, Jeannie Baroga had told a story where one of her plays was being done in, I think, New Hampshire, and they had made so many changes that she was furious and she was like, you know, I'll never do that again. And mm. I guess she still feel ownership of the child, uh, although yeah. Oh, yeah. given someone else the child to produce, it's still your child. And I imagine that analogy doesn't work at all in film. <laughs> that's a wrap. That's about right. No, you, you gave your child up for adoption and Thirty and you years later, you get paid for it. For you. Yeah, yeah you, yeah, you get paid for it. You might be able to see your child once or something. Yeah. <laughs> wow. Oh, I wrote that piece. Yeah, though you know the the one play, and then they they held onto that little piece. Yeah, yeah, um, I got I got story by credit. That's it. it was... <laughs> <laughs> right. I want to be respectful of people's time, so it's almost seven. One last thing. Uh, where do you well, see let yourself? Me... Go ahead. The only thing I want to make sure we touch on is we're having this conversation partly because John Flanagan reached out and, and he's, yeah. in Adam, he's in Adam and Eve, right? He is. He oh is. Yeah. Shout God. out. And shout out to Johnny. Yeah. He, we did a Hamlet and he got to play Claudius, the King, the uncle who has gotten in Hamlet's way. Oh, I saw this. Okay. The Arabian, Arabian Shakespeare when yeah, you were Polonius. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah so I loved I him. Make sure that we, that we 
you know, acknowledge that. Um, yeah. I don't know how much of a cadre of actors that you have pulling into this. Like, I'm totally throwing my hand up. I am happy. If you finally, you want to have somebody, please grab me. I am not in the recording union at all. I'm happy to do it. But um, that's no, awesome, man. That's, to have that's those good voices that you can pull in and go, wow, I'm working on this and I kind of know I can throw it at somebody. Has that been a part of your process at all? Yeah, well, so I, I mean, I'm glad you mentioned this because I wanted to give a shout out to my cast, uh, including Yay. Johnny Flanagan. Um, can I do that real quick? Please. Sure. Lizzie, no, no, no. Uh, yeah, you got uh, Sally Dana, who also, by the Sally way, da Sally yeah. Dana, yeah, yeah. yeah. It, it, if you listen to the second episode um, and the third episode, she's in that. She's in both of those. Yay. Um, yeah, Johnny Flanagan, Lizzie Calagero, Johnny Mercer. <gasps> wow. Yeah, yeah. One of my favorite actresses in the Bay Area. Holy cow. Yeah, yeah. Amy Miles, uh, Joe Paulino, Terrence Smith. Terrence. Uh, yep, we know Terrence, yes. Terrence, yeah, yeah he's great. Um, yeah, he did the, uh, the, the lecture bit on the second one. Um, <laughs> Allie Johnson, Niken Robinson, and uh, Jason Harris, and then Mary Powelson uh, wasn't in it, but she was in. She was the production manager, and, and I couldn't have done it without her. So I, anyway. I know that name. Yes. Yeah. Yes, I know you do. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, small world. How did how did you find the actors? Uh, oh yeah, Sally. Sally was my casting director, so she Yay. she helped out a lot. Some of them I already knew and worked with, like Lizzie and both Johnny's and, uh, um, and Niken. Uh, but uh, yeah, I didn't, I hadn't worked with any of the others. And so we worked through, we, it was a totally, it was a total SAG production. Um, and we, in some cases used, uh, you know, agencies and so, so forth. But anyway, Sally, Sally was, uh, she was great and helping with that, so yeah. Awesome, that's fantastic. I was just gonna ask, uh, where do you see yourself in the future? What do you wanna do? I don't know, five or 10 years from now, do you want to um, continue with, uh, you may who know, you may do more podcasting, uh, extend Pulp Scripture or, you know, do another podcasting since you've had some success. I would that. hope that it would get a next life because it deserves it. It is, it is fun. <laughs> Thank I've you. I've been thinking about something like that for a long time. Um, I, I am not religious. Well, I wouldn't say that I'm not affiliated with any church or any denomination. I am an ex-Catholic and I'm happy to be former, but those stories are so powerful. And I think they're so important to the human condition that even playing with them the way that you've done, there's still that meaningful part. You aren't ignoring that or dismissing that. That's, that's still in there. I think it's huge. Well, thank you. I, no, I, I appreciate that. That means a lot. Um, to answer your question, so Pulp Scripture is kind of a dress rehearsal. I, I picked something that was bite-sized enough that I could manage it, but I think for the next one, I'm going to do something a little more, a little longer, um, and uh, a little more ambitious, and who, you know, I mean, who knows, maybe it'll get picked up and made into a movie or a TV show or something. I'd say <laughs> that, that's like my wildest dreams, but anyway, that's, you know, I'm, for now, I'm happy to be working on this stuff. And if somebody is interested in producing one of my plays or reproducing one of my plays, I'm happy to do that. Or I, I'm open to being commissioned to write some more plays. And so I'm really open to anything. But I'm right now, I'm focused on the podcast. 
Mm-hmm. So, nice. Yeah. And, and, you know, it, it has, um, you know, uh, and considering that it's new, you know, Pulp Scripture, I think you've only had, uh, what, how many episodes? Um, there's only three. Uh, there, three, there's, three. There's three uh, that are up so far. There are nine total. So stay tuned. All right. But I mean, from the beginning, I mean, this is a very, very good start. I mean, the quality, I mean, it took us a while. It took us nearly a year to get our quality, um, you know, to the level that it should be. And you're already there. And I'll say, you know, to piggyback on what uh, Norman is saying, as a Christian, I'm not affiliated with the church, but I could tell myself, you know, I was grown up, I grew up in the church, but I've always felt if there's another medium, another way of sort of bringing the gospel, I mean, whether you're a believer or not, but just another way so that we don't get it the good old fashioned way, there can be other ways of either delivering the word or just telling a story. Um, and not sappy. And, and, and exactly. Not sappy. Exactly. In a non-conventional way. This is helpful. I mean, I could see, you know, other, you know, of course, some churches will be, you know, very snide about it or whatever, but I could see a lot of millennials are like, hey, this is the way I want to hear <laughs> the Old Testament. If I got to be forced to hear the Old Testament, I'd rather hear it this way. So mm-hmm. I think Pulp Scripture is uh, is a real treat. Thank you. Appreciate that. Yeah. All righty. Well, um, it's 7.04. Shout outs. I know. Birthdays. Gotta get moving. <laughs> um, and so I'm going to do this part because I want to go to the happier place. If you know her, you will appreciate her. Jerry Lynn Cohen died this week i think she died on the 25th and um she when i went with word for word to france we did uh, lucia berlin she played the central character we picked stories that were fictionalized autobiographical stories um so this was lucia berlin's story and it was amazing and jerry lynn was that central character in those pieces and she was amazing she has been a part of word for word from their inception and it just, it caught me yesterday morning. I woke up and it was one of the first things I saw. And I spent the rest of the morning crying and just finding as much as I could to try and make the connection. So I, I have to acknowledge that happened this week. And that was, you know, that was huge. It's the work that we do and it's come up. I've had a few conversations with people and I keep referring to the yay because I'm like, if we don't do anything else, what we do is say, you, you matter. <laughs> you are part of the Bay Area theater scene or you have been part of the Bay Area theater scene. And that is that defines it more than anything. And I'm working on a, my own little obit, my own little response to her death. Um, and I mark um, Angels in America because people don't all know that, but that started in a tiny ass space in San Francisco And I did not see the original production. I saw it when it came back to town and went to ACT, but I went to that little theater to see something. People were lined up in the dark on 16th street in the mission to see shows because we were making theater and the people who were there, people like Oster Eustace, you know, went on to become part of Bay area theater. Tony Kushner went on to become, but they were there in that little area at that time. Jerry Lynn was up the road working with what became word for word and did all kinds of amazing work. So to me, it so represented how we are a part of what it is to be the contemporary American theater scene. And we will go down in the annals, some of us, and some of us will be lucky if we're even in the fucking footnotes. But 
you know, Jerry Lynn Cohen's life mattered. It mattered a lot to me and a lot of people. And so that was, you know, I want to mark her death. Birthdays. Um, Annette Roman, playwright. Um, her birthday is this week, I think today. It's weird to be doing it on a Tuesday. Uh, Rotimi Akbabiaka. I always mess up his name. I'll be happy to throw him on the list this week. An amazing African-American performer, creator, writer, um, just powerful stuff. Jessica Ur, uh, she is somebody I got to work with at Piano Fight um, with the Utopia Theater. We got to do Everyday Alice. And uh, Chico Perdeman's birthday just happened. Um, Chico is an African-American actor. I will never forget him and I will always appreciate him for this. We started with the African-American Shakespeare Company and we met to talk about what the company was gonna do next. And Chico kept saying, we got to get paid. And I said, but Chico, what if somebody wanted you to play Hamlet? Wouldn't you want to do that? And Chico said, yeah, if I was getting paid. <laughs> and I needed that lesson at that time because there was always somebody who will be happy to have you do it for free or for nothing. But if it's going to happen, it's got to be because you care about it. And I know I do. I know lots of people who do. We do these shows because we care. I say to all the writers I know, please, if you want to hear it out loud, call me up. You know, give me a glass of wine if you got nothing else, and I'll be happy to sit and read because I think it's important, but it's also important that we find ways to lift these people up. Uh, ben Lippitz, somebody I went to CalArts. I was at California Institute for the Arts for one year, and Ben was there when I was, and it's so great to look, and we just connected on Facebook last year, and I looked through his history, and I'm like, oh, shit. You've been doing this, like out there, seriously doing this. So have I, yay. On the opposite end of the spectrum, Will Shattuck is a director, has a small company, and I, I feel bad now. I'm gonna look up his small company and make sure I put that in the notes. Um, but he was the assistant director on As You Like It with the San Francisco Shakespeare Festival when I worked with them a couple of summers ago. Sydney Schwint is a fight director um, in the Bay Area. Greg Manalo, uh, we keep talking about um, Vendelstiff and the Filipino community. Greg Manalo is this amazing performer who we could not get in Buffalo, but he was a part of the development of it and the choreography of it. Amazing person. Uh, Lauren Spencer, African-American actress in the Bay Area. Amanda G. Shelton is the wife of um, Matt Shelton, who is the daughter of Oh, the, uh, the the great Shelton, uh, the Gene? um, yes, Gene, Gene Shelton, Gene, Gene, Gene Shelton. yeah, exactly. Yes. So the Shelton Theater grew up out of that, and they, she and Matt, have kept it going. Brian Thorstenson is somebody I actually got to work with on stage, and now everybody knows him as a playwright. I'm like, no, we were on stage together in uh, Leroy Jones' The Toilet. <laughs> um, Howard Johnson Jr. is I just got his girlfriend got in touch with me not long ago to say. A, they're still together, and B, I, I hired him as a young actor for the um, Oakland Public Theater, our first show, Blackballing, our first production, everything before that was sort of scene work and stuff, was when our, fir our first full production, he was in that. Uh, I'm gonna skip this name because I'm sure you have it. Michael Curry, young African-American actor who is off getting his master's, I believe, right now, but um, just a powerful performer. 
William D. Razo, I'm almost to the bottom of my list, um, director and theater artist who is doing all he can to promote other folks he's involved with, um, Anton's Well, among many other projects. Selena Sue Navarro was part of the Oakland Public Theater when we were just getting started and I had to do, didn't have to, we found a playwright who wanted to do an immigration play in 2001. And we were set to do this play. We we're gonna do a whole season, do a reading, do a development thing and then put the play up and 9-11 happened. <laughs> and her immigration lawyer said, we were about to go to court. You cannot be out there publicly doing this. And we had to pull the play and we ended up asking a bunch of the actors to stay with us. And we did a reading of Marisol instead. Um, but that's how I met Selena. Uh, Rebecca Lasky is somebody I have not met through the theater. I met her through sort of, I met her through COVID is how I met her. She started dating a singer and he and she, Brian Dyer, had been in high school together doing musicals. And then they started hanging out in the virtual alley, the alleys, the alley bars, the piano bars, um, virtual thing that went on during all of COVID. And Rebecca is somebody I got to know through that. She kept talking about how they did these plays together. They did Guys and Dolls together in high school. Her birthday this week. Last two, Karen Amano Tompkins was one of the founders of Thick Description, which was this incredible theater company in San Francisco. And they eventually created what had became the Thick House and is now mm -hmm. the Potrero stage. Her birthday this week. And last one is Chad Jones who I initially knew as this just beautiful young man, um, reviewer of theater. And now he is, he's got a, he still keeps a um, blog going about theater and performance, but he has also helped to create some spaces, including a space I got to work in a couple of years ago called the Missouri, Missouri Theater Project. Um, Actually, I don't know if theater's in the name. It's a gallery on Missouri Street in South San Francisco over just off of 3rd Street. Those are the birthdays I have. It was a huge list because we haven't actually met and we won't meet again for like a week and a half. Yeah, yeah, that's true. And um, sorry to hear about Geraldine Cohen. I, uh, I wish I had met her and experienced her, but I'm glad that, you know, we have this forum to, you know, represent not only folks who are currently doing things, but also people who meant so much to us in the past so i realize that we really do need to make it a part of our show that when somebody passes we acknowledge that yeah yeah exactly my list is short um noah hayden you may have saved that for me his birthday is today he is uh, very active in ray of light theater i think he actually runs ray of light theater now uh taking it over from shane ray but he is a wonderful uh performer and um i remember working with him when we did bat boy the musical so his birthday is today. Happy birthday. No, I didn't know. What's the last name? Hayden, H-A-Y-D-O-N. Uh, also, um, who had a birthday two days ago, Tom Farris, who is 71 years old. And uh, he and I were on stage. We did 110 in the Shade. And he's done a bunch of uh, things. The DMT? Yes, right, the DMT, which I think is uh, defunct now. But uh, he's been a stalwart at the DMT. Oh, they! I hope they come back. God, I, 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 come back. I really do too. Yeah, it's a it's a great great facility. Any case, on the twenty sixth, uh, Lindsay Marie Schmelzer, we had her on. That's yeah! episode one thirty. <laughs> uh, she is a wonderful um, 
instrumentalist. Uh, she uh, plays the keyboard. She plays uh, guitar. Uh, she was our um, musical director when we did, um, oh, what was it? It was um, Women on the Verge of a Nervous Breakdown. And yeah. I acted with her when we did a Civil War Christmas. Mm. So her birthday is the 26th. Happy birthday to her. Also, Dale Albright. You saved that for me. I know that. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, his birthday it will be the 29th. And uh, yeah. Dale, he actually had a, I think they're, they're doing something special with Dale on the, um, the TBA website. I think he uh, writes oh, a maybe an article maybe once a month or something like that. But if you check he out- He deserves uh, it. He totally deserves it. This man has been in Bay Area theater for over 20 years um, as part of Theater Bay Area, the service committee, service organization that has done so much. I mean, among other things, they got the cash grant and then the Atlas grant. They got money to actually put in theater artists' pocket that's exactly right. Because they a, could just manage it because they were an organization. They could, that was their job. They were like, you guys can give us the money. We will disseminate it to the arts. Yeah, yeah. There are a lot of artists that would not have had their work produced at all if it weren't for those cash grant apps, cash grants. Um, and he was also a fantastic uh, actor. I acted with him in, on um, and a playwright. Skin, Skin of Our Teeth. Yeah, and he's a playwright and a director. Yeah. Yep. Okay, so that's that. I think I have two more. You did William Razzo Curry. Uh, I'm always mentioning my um, Duke Ellen School of the Arts fam. Oh, I forgot to mention one thing that happened this week. So my niece, my brother's daughter, Aja, got accepted to Duke Ellington School of the Arts for, ah! act, for theater, <laughs> which tickles me pink. Um, and Legacy! Yeah, I guess the legacy, uh, you know, I was like, hey, I'm sorry, I don't have any kids, mom and dad, so I don't know about the legacy, but hey, um, it, it runs in the family, so that's awesome. I'm very, very happy for Aja. In any case, um, Mel Dyer, speaking of Ellington, he was a graduate of Duke Ellington School of the Arts, wrote a wonderful piece um, called Mine, which was a horror piece, and uh, he's a wonderful, wonderful writer. Mm -hmm. He started off in the visual arts department, but he's done other things as well, so I want to uh, shout, give a shout out to Mel Dyer. That's it. Those are the shows that I have. Uh, uh, shows. Bill, do you have anything that you want? I don't have any shows. Bill, I've got my show coming up Sunday, and after that, I can focus on the rest of the theater community. <laughs> Bill, are there uh, any things you, shows you want to give a shout out to? We've I got. Don't, oh, I don't have any shows, but I, I, I have a birthday shout out since you Go guys are it. doing that. Um, last, just this last Friday was the birthday of uh, Kim Richards, the great, talented Kim Richards. She directed, first director of uh, Pulp Scripture and yeah, she goes way back. She used to be a dancer, Kimberly? and yeah, yeah. Do, do you know Kim, Kimberly? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kim. It was her. It was her birthday. So, shout out to Kim. Right on. Yeah. I've got a couple of uh, things that I want to uh, to push. Um, Silicon Valley Shakes has folk tales from around the world. Right. And uh, I believe Leticia Duarte may have may be doing something there. Also, Radhika Rao, and she is, of course, in episodes twenty one and one hundred and thirty one of the A. Uh, she's doing something uh, that will be August the 13th through the 29th, and that will be streamed. Um, and I will put a link in that in our show notes. Also, Improv for Life classes, uh, Crystal Brown, and we've had Crystal Brown on yeah. episode 62. One of, my, one of my favorite episodes. She was just very, very delightful. She and of course, delightful. and she was in Anton's Well, the um, the human ear. I don't know if you saw yeah. that, Norman, but she was. Oh my God, no, I did, and, and I got to see a, a run through before they went into tech because I was going out of town. 
Right, exactly. So uh, Crystal was in that, as, and she and Luell just carried the show. Yeah. In any case, she's teaching Improv for Life. That'll be August the 15th through the 29th, one, 1 to 2 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, and I'll have a link to that. Pay as you want. So uh, it'll be very, very um, um, affordable for anyone who wants to get involved in that. Central Works, they're doing a Central Works script club. You can download and read a play script, read a script, send in your questions for the playwright, and then listen to an audio interview with the playwright. They do this monthly. We'll have a link. That's also, cool. Yeah, and also um, I've been pumping uh, Shakes Pod. So that's been going on. That's sort of a podcast dealing with Shakespeare. And uh, sure. they did uh, Titus Andronicus a while back with Alan Coyne. And now they're gearing up to do Richard III. Uh, Lamont Rogel will be Richard. Right. Cynthia Lagozinski will be the Duchess of York. Lamont was in our episode 122 of the A. Cynthia it was in 96 of the A. And uh, our wonderful consulting producer, Mallory Samara. Um, and we did episode 151 with Mallory, if you want to hear, hear more about her. She is producing a podcast for KCBS Radio called Connect the Dots, a weekly news podcast hosted by WCBS News Radio host, Linda Lopez. Check out Connect the Dots on any podcast app. Uh, two more things. Mendelssiff Studios has also a podcast called The Fobcast. So check out The Fobcast, exploring Filipino-American immigrant stories. So check that out. And the mm -hmm. last thing, Bridget Dutta Portman, who was on our episode 75, a fantastic playwright. She has a new book out called The Twin Stars, a young adult science fiction fantasy novel that deals with mental health themes. And you can buy it on Amazon. And we'll have the link to that as well. Wow. There you go. Uh, Bill, did you have a good time? I did. I had a lot of fun. Thank you very much. I really appreciate you guys having me on. That's great. Yeah, thank you. I was you. thrilled. I was thrilled when John, when we got the email, I was like, oh, yes, please, please. Let's do this. <laughs> yeah, shout out to uh, Johnny Flanagan for, uh, yeah, for making that connection. We'll, we'll awesome. drag him on. We'll, yeah, we'll get him please. on. Yeah, please. Yeah, we, he... we, we got to drag him on. Go ahead. No, I was going to say he's, he's, uh, he, he's, he would be really fun to have on. Let's just put it that way. He yeah. knows where the bodies are buried. He, knows yeah, exactly. he, he and I have been in Bay Area theater for like over 30 years, I think. Yeah. No, it was great seeing him on stage when you guys did the Arabian Shakespeare did um Hamlet. He he was yeah. fun. So uh yeah, we definitely have to have him on. Um, so as you probably have um, as we've alluded, we're not going to be on this weekend. I think we'll be back on the 14th of August, I think. Is that the next time? Are we bouncing that far? We're not doing the seventh. Oh, the seventh. We probably do. We'll probably do the seventh. I got to find a uh, uh, a guest, but uh, I will. Yeah. So we'll hey, be on for the seventh. John Flanagan. There we go. There we'll. Go. You guys know him, so you know. Have him give. You know. Send, okay. a, send an email. I, I will hit him up. <laughs> All righty. All right. For those of us who are watching us on YouTube, uh, please like and subscribe. Tell us what you like and what you don't like, and uh, give us comments on what we can talk about. Um, if you're listening to us on the regular standard operating podcast app, we're on all podcast apps. If you have an iPhone or an iPad, I can even do it right now. You can click on that purple link and you can find the yay. Let's see if I can find the yay right now. This is uh, like totally. There you I go. just they started a YouTube channel for auditions because they want you to put your thing on. Mm -hmm. and I can't find it. Every time I go searching for it, I'm like, it's mine, and I can't find it. <laughs> yeah, you'll have to improve on that. Yeah, so here is the Yay uh, right here. They have our old logo 
uh, if you pull up a, one of our recent episodes, then they'll have our, our latest uh, logos. But in any case, you can also we're also on Spotify as well. And actually, Spotify, baby, even a better. I to I to I to be sour on um, the SoundCloud. Apple Podcast app. No, not SoundCloud. The Apple Podcast app because I'm oh. just it's just not the the quality is not quite there. Uh, but in any case, we are most definitely on Spotify. Yeah, there we go. So Spotify and there is the A right there. You can see that. Yeah, I'm I'm following you guys on Spotify. So right on, right on. You'll get way way better sound quality uh, if you follow us on Spotify. And um, that's it. Uh, the A is created by theater people for theater people. Oh, I'm sorry. If you're an Android user, you can also go on the SoundCloud app or just go on SoundCloud.com and you'll find us. Yeah. The A was created by theater people for theater people. If you have a show you want to advertise, or if you just want to advertise yourself. Let us know. Hit us up. We're at the Yay Three on Twitter. Uh, I, I'm also at Red Space Clay. I'm at Hoosier Hoosier. But if anybody wants to help me out figuring out the Twitter thing, I would appreciate that. God. Yeah. Help, help us. I personally am at Hoosier Hoosier. Right on. Uh, Bill, do you have a social media that people can follow you? I'm I'm really miserable at it. I got to get better. Uh, I, I'm I am on Facebook. Um, but uh, go to apocryphamedia.com and you can uh, check out the podcasts on that too. Yay! Yeah, we'll have two. And, and they're also available on all the main podcast sources as well. Spotify, yeah, I was going to say, Apple. yeah, we have the links to apocryphamedia.com slash listen. Also, on we have the Spotify link as well. So you got to check out um, Pulp Scriptures and uh, that's it. Thank you so much. It's a wonderful Tuesday evening. I'm going to go get some dinner. Thank you so much. And as Norman and I always say... We gotta, gotta find, find a, a better, better sign off. off. <laughs> and we are out. <laughs>